Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome back to Texas Sports Nation, the podcast. I'm Jonathan Fagan. Daniel Lerner is on assignment this week, so we have brought in a very special guest. I think very special. Uh, I thought it might be fun to sort of add the perspective of a Rockets fan, a dedicated, longtime Rockets fan, and have a conversation between a longtime Rockets reporter and a Rockets fan. So I couldn't think of anyone I would rather have in that role than my son, David Fagan, who will join us this week uh, to do it a little bit differently in the podcast. Uh, but I do, I count on David quite a bit to give me the perspective of a fan. We do these conversations all the time. So thought we'd let you guys in on this one. David, thank you for stepping in like this. And, uh, you know, we're like the Mannings now, except, you know, Archie just sort of watches from afar. Yeah, well, it's good to be with you, Pops. I feel a little bit like that when the Rockets had to go deep into the G League rosters to find a fill-in, but uh, I'll try to step in for Danielle, and I'll try to represent all of the Rockets fandom to the best of my ability. Well, yeah, well, you know, it worked out well for Garrison Matthews. He, he went from two-day contract to uh, two-week, two-day. These years, these days, they probably will do two-day contracts. A two-way contract to uh, irreplaceable Rocket player. Uh, so I think it's got to work that way for you as well. The pressure's on. You're, you're Eli of the group here. But before we get into some of that, and, and yeah, you could bring some Rocket fan perspective too, but I did talk today with Kevin Porter Jr. We're in, I'm in Washington, D.C., where the Rockets will play the Wizards on Wednesday and where they practiced today. The first day since he and Christian Wood were suspended, and I got a chance to catch up with Kevin Porter Jr., and I mean, if I was to sort of characterize the way he was, I'd say he was contrite. He he sort of understood he messed up, but did think of it as sort of the emotions that happen within families. He kept putting it that way. And yeah, he did apologize to the team and to individuals. So I, I mean, to me, and maybe you would think of me as a softy, but well, I kind of hope so anyway, but I do sort of think, you know, people mess up and if they never learn from those mistakes, well, then you might have to do something about it. But this is his first with the Rockets. The Rockets took on a Kevin Porter project, which was not about his defense or shooting. It was about learning to control his emotions, temper being among them. And he failed at controlling his emotions Saturday at halftime in the loss to the Nuggets. But I, I just don't think you give up on a guy. You show, hey, this is not acceptable. The suspension is entirely warranted. But you keep working. You don't just sort of give up on him. As a fan, I'll just say I would always rather the players I root for care than be indifferent. And I don't think anyone would think that KPJ doesn't care about what's going on. I, I think this was always part of the calculus when they brought him in. I think we all kind of knew this. And, you know, w when I talk to folks about the team, I think uh, this is getting blown very out of proportion by some. But I think a lot of us feel, you know, this is part of it. This is why we have guys like Lucas in the locker room. 
And I think it's worth seeing how he comes back and he might come back re-energized and their relationship might become stronger because of it. But I might be a fellow softy, but I agree with you that <laughs> it's it. it I, I like to see a guy be able to get back up off the mat. This is part of what we knew about him. He's experienced a lot in his life and uh, I am looking forward to giving him another chance. And I think that Rockets fans largely are as well. You know, first of all, I think you're young enough that you can call him Scoot. I, I never do. Because I feel like I'm the old guy trying to sound cool if I do that. But, you know, it's weird. It's almost like I don't think any old sports writer called Babe Ruth George. But so maybe I'm wrong on this. But you know, or Magic Johnson Irvin. Um, but I feel like I, I never do for that reason. I, I meant to one of these days I do need to talk to him about that. That, hey, the reason I haven't called you Scoot is I don't want to act like I'm cool when i'm clearly not but you you can pull it off i think okay well maybe but i i I do believe he's called you the og before if i'm remembering correctly so he did your mom liked that he's opened up that door and you call shangun alpi so i i think nicknames are a green light good point Uh, although with alpi i don't think i've ever referred heard anyone call him alperin speak of him as alperin but like if something was about to fall on him, they'd say, Alpi, look out. They're not saying Alperin. Scoot, you know, he was back, and I found him to be very cheerful at practice. Uh, Christian Wood was back as well, and in both cases, and maybe even more so with Christian Wood. I don't think you judge by the incident, you judge by the response. And that's sort of how it is anyway with the organization. You know, things happen. Uh, You judge how they handled the things that happened. Well, I think that's true of the players as well. In Christian Wood's case, he was late. All right, that happens. You know, and it is one of Silas's, what he calls non-negotiables. Promptness is a non-negotiable. And Christian Wood absolutely knows that. When I did a story recently about Stephen Silas, and I asked players, what are the things that are his top priorities? One of the guys I talked to was Christian Wood. And he said, be on time. He knew right away. So he was late. Uh, it was to COVID testing, but that caused the walkthrough that day to be delayed, where the whole team had to wait. And that's why he didn't start. In the second half of that game, he, he seemed very indifferent about checking in at all. And that's where Stephen Siles said, yeah, you know what, just stay, sit back down, don't don't worry about it, you're not playing, and then suspended him the next day. I think that's the one, you know, where we need to see how he responds. Does he come out and play with fire again, which he did not when in the eight minutes he did play Saturday? That's what I, I would want to see. Well, and the demands on Wood, I think, are a lot higher than on a KPJ just because he's supposed to be a veteran leader in the locker room. He's making a lot more money than KPJ. He is expected to kind of help set a culture for this team. They didn't bring in Kevin Porter Jr. to set a culture, um, but the veterans on this team are intended to do that. And so I think that that is a difference. I think that's why Silas has to draw such a hard line in ways that maybe he wouldn't have had to if James Harden was still on the team. I just think that the need to create a new culture in Houston is large enough that they can't afford to have their veteran leaders not following the golden rules of the team. 
Mm. Yeah, and James Harden was never late, and so that that would have oh, never mind. <laughs> a, a model in all ways. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, promptness, particularly to the plane, was was not his strength. But you know, it's interesting. You referred to it as a hard line, and this is where I'll lean on you as Rocket fan representative. Do you consider it a hard line? Being late, I, I I don't know if I would uh, bench a guy for being late. Um, I I think the response to the benching was the worst part of this. Um, you know where reports, of course, were that he you know wasn't enthusiastic about coming back into the game into the second half. He uh, seemed to be uh, unmotivated when he was on the court, and that's not the first time that's happened this season. I think that we saw you know him not look totally dialed in. And so that to me is a pretty hard line. I, I know one of the other things that Silas, you know, treats as a non-negotiable is you have to work hard. And that I think as a fan is something we do expect is we do expect everyone out there to be playing hard. And that's one of the real charms of this team is when that's happening. Um, they're a lot of fun to watch. So uh, being late, I think it's something, you know, you, you can work with, but uh, I, I think you have to go out there and give it your all every night. And uh, especially when you're supposed to be one of the folks that is setting the tone for the rest of the team. You know, it's interesting. You said they can be fun to watch as a fan. And I will say as a writer, and maybe the whole thing, the whole blow up, the incidents, maybe they were my fault. Because I was saying on Saturday, you know, losing whatever, that's not my concern. I, I'm, I'm interested in, in having a story that people will want to read and the story isn't changing. The story is the same night after night. I just needed to change. And then, boy, did it change. It was suddenly, <laughs> pow, 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 you know. So maybe I jinxed them and caused this to happen. But, yeah, the story sure changed. And I guess it's an interesting story tomorrow. And I think Kevin Porter Jr.'s comments, I recommend people do go. If you haven't already, do go to HoustonChronicle.com and you can read what Kevin Porter Junior had to say. So I think there are some interesting stories coming out, even if that's one the Rockets would have preferred not uh, have a, a story about of having, you know, halftime tirades. But as a fan, you said you find them fun to watch when they're playing hard and with intensity. Uh, that, that I wonder if people feel that way. You guys, I mean, you and your life have been pretty spoiled. They've been very good. They haven't won a championship, but they have been contenders for much of your time as a fan. Are you finding this fun to watch? Well, maybe I take it for granted because I don't feel that spoiled as a Rockets fan from the Steve Francis pinstripe era to the uh, the Yao and McGrady era of you know, losing to the Utah Jazz in the first round every year. I, I, I never felt particularly spoiled when I saw uh, fans from other teams celebrating their championships. But to your point, um, I, I, I haven't really been a fan during a full blow it up rebuild until now. And so I think that last year was in many ways and on many things, a joyless slog in a lot of ways. It was players I didn't care about their development, veterans that were going to be on the team for just a few minutes. Um, this year, on the other hand, I find them totally fun to watch. I love watching Al P throwing bizarre passes that nobody should really throw in an NBA game or watching Jalen Green uh, develop seemingly every single game where, you know, it, it – 
I bemoaned to you in the past that I, why can't he get into the paint? He's the fastest guy on the court. He's crafty. Why can't he get into the paint? Why can't he draw fouls? And since coming back, he's, he's really ticked up in all of those different areas. He's really becoming the three-level scorer that I think a lot of us hoped he would be. And that's a lot of fun to watch. And Kevin Porter Jr., K.J. Martin, these are guys that are fun to watch when everything's clicking. Josh Christopher has been a huge surprise this season. We didn't have any of that last year of fun guys that we can invest ourselves in. And as a fan, you know, I, I was someone who didn't pay that much attention to the summer league. I didn't pay a ton of attention to the draft. These are all things that are very important and interesting to me now um, as a rebuilding team. If they're still in this place in 2025, I think fans are going to tune out. I think Houston fans do tend to tune out before they get angry. And so um, there's diehards like me that are along for the ride here. But I think a lot of people are you know, more interested in what's happening with the Astros and Texans while the Rockets try to figure things out. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's better that they fully embraced the rebuild and communicated that. You know, it's it's obvious to anybody paying attention when you draft four teenagers, when you actually move into the draft to get a fourth one, where three wouldn't have been enough. Nah, you got to get four of them. And, and then add a two-way guy who's also a teenager in, in Dacian Nix. And if that wasn't obvious enough, Having John Wall become a spectator, he's not even going to be here in Washington uh, when the Rockets play the Wizards. Uh, and just choosing to have your $43 million a year player uh, do what you and I do, which is watch. Uh, I guess that makes it pretty obvious. They've fully embraced the rebuild. But I think they did do a good job of communicating that, where as you say, it'll get old, you know, I don't know when, because, you know, I'm not a fan, that's what you're here to tell us, but it'll get old. But for now, I do think people can view things through that lens, that, okay, you know, I'll be rewarded if Jalen Green pans out the way he might, because I was there from the start. And that's something, you know, the Rockets had that with Yao, they had that with Akeem, you know, guys from the start, in a way, they maybe even had that with James Harden, because even though he had his first three years with with Oklahoma City, he was sixth man, different role. He wasn't the face or the facial hair of the franchise. He, you felt like he was your guy. I think, and you interrupt me if if you don't feel like fans felt that way, but I think they did. Maybe that's what this tough part will. You know, if you stick with them through this. You deserve to enjoy it if they get real good from it. I think there's probably a loud and very small number of us that are fully invested in their day-to-day activities. But I also think that, you know, if people tune in, they're a lot of fun to watch and they they change uh, and they don't disappoint. I think um, if, if you're looking for the right things, um, if you're looking for development, if you're looking for progress, there's stuff there to see. Um, you know, we're not getting to see a lot of Garuba. We're not getting to see a lot of, um, you know, some of these other guys. But if you're really invested in guys like Jalen Green and Alperen Shengun, and you think they might be the face of the franchise right now, it's all about opportunity. And that's an exciting place to be in the past, you know, towards the tail end of the Harden years. Uh, it was hard to even enjoy the regular season successes or the 40 point games against Orlando in November because, you know, we were just waiting for the playoffs and 
we were starting to lose any hope that they would really get through after Chris Paul had left and um, certainly after the hamstring injury. And so I think that now uh, we have to take a longer view. Um, it lets us not live and die by every possession, every game. Um, and it allows us to, I think, think about this in a five-year plan. And we're going to get another great pick uh, coming into the next draft. That person's also going to be exciting to watch. Hopefully by then, Jalen Green and Shangun have made some leaps. Um, I don't think anyone should expect them to be a contender in the next couple of years. But if that's the only reason you're watching, I think you're missing a lot of really fun reasons to watch this team. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But uh, what I don't know, are you in the minority? I mean, when you talk to people, whether it's through social media or your friends or whoever who are also Rocket fans, do you think people feel the way you do? I don't really. I think, like I said, I think I am in the minority. I think it's a loud, passionate minority. They're the people who drive social media activity. They're the people who are red rowdies. They're the people who are buying a lot of the merchandise. Like it's the most passionate fans. I think a lot of those people are invested in the rebuild. They would hate to see us trade for Sabonis at the trade deadline or try to bring in what? Damian Lillard. I, I think because this is not a team ready to win. It, it, we're not a piece away. We're six pieces away. We're seven pieces away. Um, and I think people want to see what we have, what we can develop, what we can acquire in the draft while we have our own draft picks. And, you know, I think it's a lot more fun to uh, really invest in guys that emotionally that the team is invested in and really found. And, you know, guys like Jay Sean Tate, who, um, you know, they found it feels like one of our guys. And I think that's a really fun way to be as a fan when you have guys that you've watched develop in Rockets uniforms, as opposed to just trying to cobble together some uh, roster to make the play in on a given year. I don't think that's what fans want to see. Yeah, that's interesting. And there are teams who do it that way. That, you know, hey, just incrementally better, uh, you know, try and be good, maybe catch lightning in a bottle one year. Uh, I tell you what, though, if they want to trade for Sabonis, I, I don't think I'll be critical of it when I write about it. Um, or, hey, Ben Simmons, he's, he's still in Philly. Maybe if the Rockets could have beat the Sixers, it, they, you know, Rafael and, and Daryl could have had a bet. You know, John Wall for Ben Simmons, you got to do it now, Daryl. Sorry, you lost. But that didn't happen. John Wall for Ben Simmons, I think fans might, might be an exception. I, I also think, though, to, to my point, and you might disagree with me on this, and I've said this before, but if, if this is just what I do for fun and I'm a GM for fun, I would much rather be Rafael Stone than Daryl Morey right now. Having to deal with that nonsense over in Philadelphia, I would much rather be planning for the draft, working on these young with these young guys to help develop their games, even with the drama we just had. Um, I think it right now is a very stressful time to be a Philadelphia 76ers uh, fan. And I, I, I find myself resonating a bit with it just in terms of Embiid's prime, um, dissatisfaction, malaise. That feeling is just it, 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 winning is great, but uh, unless you're actually the one holding the trophy at the end, it can be kind of dispiriting to be in a fan of that kind of environment. And so at least with this, it's uh, it's good vibes for the most part, despite what happened recently. And I think that we're at least excited to see young guys in Rockets uniforms for the first time in a while that we are invested in. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if Rafael would agree that it's better to be in his position than Daryl's. Daryl could be holding the trophy. I mean, they don't quite look there, but, you know, it's a long way to go, and it's hard to get there. There's a reason teams get stuck, you know, in lottery forever. It's tough. I mean, they got a good start, and Rafael did a good job giving himself so much draft capital that he has a chance to hit some home runs. And Jalen Green could be a home run. I mean, he, as you said earlier, he has really gotten better. But boy, don't discount the struggle. It, it can be tough. It's a tough... I mean, they're so far removed right now. I think when you guys go play pickup ball, you might be able to score some points on them. Uh, they, they do not defend. And so, and that's the thing. And maybe that's also a difference between me and, and a, a sports writer's perspective and you with a fan's perspective. I watch some of the things I see defensively and I'm smacking my forehead all the time, which I know Stephen Silas must wish he could do. Uh, watching and go, oh my gosh. Uh, but it's hard. You know, that, you know, you go back, I tell the story sometimes, but you go back. And I think I've told this story even on the podcast. When I used to watch pickup games of NBA players, and I would just, I'll pick the old guys. Just give me the old guys. They know how to play. And it just it takes a long time to learn how to play in the NBA. And that's why the Rockets decided, let's start it. Let, let's not wait and reduce the minutes and touches of, of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green to have John Wall play 32 minutes and handle the ball because they wanted to start that process, because it's a long process. But, you know, you mentioned the GMs, and you mentioned you'd rather see development. What do you think, if, if there's no trade at the trade deadline, fans are going to be disappointed, because that's how it goes. What do you think fans would be most excited about? The trade deadline is about five weeks away. Rockets always do something. What do you think fans want to see? Well, I think that there's still a couple veterans on this team who just don't match the timetable of the young core who could go for some value. I think more and more fans might start to think that Christian Wood is in that category. Um, I, I don't think they're necessarily going to be in a rush to trade Christian Wood. And uh, Eric Gordon is someone who I feel like I would be shocked to see in a Rockets uniform after the trade deadline just because he provides so much value to a team trying to win it all this year. And so to me, if I, as a fan, it would be great to see a young player come back. We, ne we didn't get a young player in the James Harden trade. We got a bunch of picks. Um, you know, picks don't play for your team. So um, it would be great to see some young players come back at the trade deadline, as well as, of course, we want to build our draft equity. Um, but, you know, for once, it would be nice to get a prospect in a trade like, the, like this. <laughs> if we give up uh, Eric Gordon or if we give up Christian Wood or if we give up, um, you know, John Wall, if we're able to figure out that. Uh, I, I think that ultimately it would just, we are all looking towards the future. So the trade deadline is we're hoping a team is desperate enough to overpay for some of these guys. You know, the Rockets are sellers and um, there's a lot of teams that are buyers. There's a lot of teams kind of mushed together from one through 10 in both conferences. And so if there's someone willing to overpay for a guy like Eric Gordon, um, that could be great for the Rockets if it means, additional picks coming in or a young player that they can take a shot on and st really start developing here. I think that's what we'd like to see. Um, and I imagine that Rafael's thinking the same way. Well, it's interesting. I, I think you make a good point that fans would want to see 
You see, and this is why I go to you to to tell me what fans are wanting. Uh, would want to see some player they they can see. You know, they don't need a savings bond that you put in a drawer somewhere and later cash in. You 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 want what you can spend a little bit um, and and get to see somebody on the floor and get excited about that guy. Uh, you know, when it comes to those two, Wood and, and Gordon. They're both signed for next year. So a lot of the question is, when can you get the most for them? Um, in some ways, Eric Gordon can step right into a contender and make them better because he defends so well. He defends so many different positions. He can play with the ball in his hands as he has had to this year, or he can play off the ball. He can just step right in, fit. It would seem like he'd be of great value to a contender at the deadline if they were ever to trade Christian Wood, it would seem like they probably would get more in the offseason and maybe would get more for Eric Gordon. The one thing I think about Rafael Stone at the deadline is he could be a stubborn guy. I think he would put in his head a price. This is what it would take for these guys to get these guys or DJ Augustine or David Nawaba, other veterans, maybe even Daniel Tice. This is what it will take and not feel pressured to take what he can get. He doesn't have to do that. But I do think, you know, with a losing team, and as we are speaking today, they're 10 and 28, I do think fans probably get a bigger kick out of the trade deadline because you need something. You need something to reward your fandom, and it's not happening on the scoreboard. Absolutely. And, you know, with the James Harden trade, biggest trade for the franchise in my lifetime, potentially. So well, much except of what, for the one that got him here. Except for the one that got him here. Um, you know, a lot of what we got are picks in 2026, you know, there's, there's nothing to get excited about for picks that far down the line, even though they might be the best thing we could have gotten and could turn out to be a home run. But to your point, there's nothing to celebrate right now. And it's why media, uh, you know, outside of Houston, I think likes to mock what we got because they don't see any players on the court that we got. We could have gotten Jared Allen. We could have gotten Karis Levert. Jared Allen might be an all-star this year, by the way. Um, and I, I, so I think that seeing players come back, I think, would be exciting as long as they fit the timetable of the guys that we're truly invested in. Um, and, you know, with guys like Eric Gordon as a fan, if I'm truly speaking as a fan, I would love to see him on a contender. He is someone who has been one of my favorite Rockets to root for. He's been there for some of the best stuff. He's been a real reliable guy, plays hard, plays defense. He... he was part of one of the the great teams of this generation. And I would love to see him like we saw with PJ Tucker. I would like to see him compete uh, for a ring because I've been rooting for guys like Clint Capella, PJ Tucker. And I know a lot of Rockets fans, you know, are still invested in those guys. Um, and so it would be nice if it could work out for everybody. And I think the Rockets will probably look to look out for Eric as well. It's interesting that you kept rooting for former Rockets. I, I know fans probably follow them, but, you know, and it's funny. I, uh, I'm in the lift last night, about 1 a.m., I guess, uh, if in Philadelphia. And the driver, so he picks me up at the arena. So he obviously knows, you know, I work in some sort of way. And I told him what I do. And he was your Philly sports fan. And he's cursing out Ben Simmons like you can't believe how he, he's talking about the Eagles and, you know, the whole total thing. 
And then he asked me, you know, what team do I root for? And I explained, well, I don't really root, especially during the game, because I'm pretty focused on what I've got to be doing during games. But when I'm watching at home, I kind of root for guys, you know, the guys I liked covering. And I mentioned to him that I enjoyed writing about and interviewing Kyle Lowry, a Philadelphia guy. And so I, I was really happy watching him win a championship. And P.J. Tucker would be the same way. Uh, a guy I really liked covering, and there's others. So from my perspective, I, you know, even I did a story with Steph Curry, who called me to do a story about working out with Jalen Green. And so it was a few weeks later that Curry set the record for three-pointers in a career, and I enjoyed that because I had good feelings from my conversation, recent conversation with Steph Curry. It just get that way because you get to know people and there's certain ones you like covering. They're not always the best to cover, but they're interesting in some ways. And sometimes it's because they're cooperative. For you, maybe it'll be a way to tell people a little bit about my token fan on the podcast this week. Who, ha who have been your favorites, your favorite Rockets over the years? Well, you know, my formative years were the Steve Francis era. So I still... Think of Stevie Franchise as one of the greatest players to ever play the game because as a 12-year-old, you know, whoever the, whoever the best player is on your team when you're 12 years old is always, I think, your guy. Um, so when he was at the game the other day, that gave me a lot of joy. Um, you know, so the Steve Francis, Katino Mobley, Muchi Norris era, those are guys um, I love, of course, Yao Ming. Um, I, I will admit because uh, I do chat with you about people who are good to you. That is something I also factor in. So guys like Clint Capella, who I know were a delight to work with, um, really affirms everything I think a lot of us fans felt about Clint Capella, which was just a great guy, great teammate. Um, and like a lot of the guys on the team, I think a lot of the reason why we were invested in Clint Capella was because he was our guy. He was a guy we drafted who we saw develop in a Rockets uniform. And I think that that always gives a, a bit extra uh, devotion, I think, from us fans of guys that we found or that we whose careers were resurrected in Rockets uniforms. Um, you know, PJ Tucker's uh, someone who, you know, I felt that way a bit about where, um, you know, he was just really the heart and soul of that team in a lot of ways. He would guard guys way bigger than him. He would sacrifice his body and it didn't hurt that he was a Longhorn. So that made me root for him as well. So, <laughs> um, so there's a lot of guys and a lot of them are on other teams right now. Uh, Eric Gordon might be uh, the last one remaining of that, of those real golden years. But I think that if we're willing to invest in some of these guys, we have guys like Josh Christopher or Jalen green could become that for the 12 year olds of today who, uh, just think of them as, uh, you know, their superstars. And that's what makes it fun, I think, of this year. Is it's sort of a reset on a, a time that was really just kind of unmet expectations, disappointments in the end. It had a lot of fun uh, times during it. But I think as a lot when a lot of fans look back on the Harden era, um, I think wrongfully in some cases, they look at it as a failure um, and have trouble appreciating the journey. So I think the reset is welcome for fans. I, I, it's just, as you know, um, they're only so patient. So I think this year is sort of free. Uh, next year, if they get a real top pick, that one might be close to free. After that, they better start figuring it out um, because then I think people are going to be disappointed and uh, you know starting to turn on uh, Rafael, Silas, or whoever's uh, kind of leading the team at that point. Yeah, patience is a virtue, but it visits only temporarily. It, uh, 
it doesn't last in sports. And actually, you know, I'm a little surprised it's lasted as long as it has. I mean, the only complaints I ever hear is Alpi doesn't play enough. And so, okay, yeah, you, you need to play your 19-year-old uh, center, whatever. Uh Hey, look at his per thirty-six minutes. I mean, if he was per thirty-six, if he was playing thirty-six minutes and putting up those per thirty-six numbers, he might be an all-star. So, you know, don't don't dismiss that argument. I mean, I don't know if he's all-star. How about all NBA? How about MVP candidate? <laughs> he, he's Jokic. What kind of fan are you? <laughs> I, I should. Yeah, you're right. Jokic wishes to be him. Yeah, Jokic wishes. Jokic wishes he had his skill. Oh yeah. You know, and Jokic doesn't even speak Turkish. I mean, just, you know, maybe one day. You know, next time we do this, we need to get the quarter zips like the Mannings. You know, I, I, the Mannings, they get so much attention. And, you know, that maybe this will be that too. But I enjoyed it. You know, and I do have to tell folks, David and I do this all the time. I mean, some of the topics, I think, are a little different because I did want to hear you represent fans and also you talk to so many fans that you, you can do that a little better, even if they differ from you. But David and I talk, you know, I, as he knows probably about as well as anybody, I, I could talk basketball for hours and just talk, hear about it. I used to do that with, you know, lots of different, from Daryl with Dennis Lindsay, uh, Definitely different people who made that with Carol Dawson. Uh, just get to hear people talk basketball to me. That's why God invented the uh, basketball podcast, I believe. So I appreciate with very little notice you stepping in. Uh, this was different, but I had fun. And, you know, I'm easy to win over. As we established in the beginning, I could be a softie on some of this stuff. But I enjoyed it, David. I, I really appreciate you your stepping in for Danielle this week. And uh might be another time down the road. Well, yeah, I think uh, the fans might be ready to hear Danielle. Uh, but <laughs> I um, am happy to offer some, you know, half-baked, uh, from-the-heart feelings about this team right now. And uh, I'm a bit of an optimist. I don't know if I represent the angry tweets you might get from time to time, but... Uh, I enjoyed being on, and uh, thanks for letting me step into your world for a few minutes. It was uh, it was a privilege and an honor to uh, oh, help, help you help you represent the Fagan name. Um, and uh, hopefully, fans, I did you justice. Yeah, well, we you did, and you brought up our average, so that's always good. As always, we will be back every Tuesday uh, with the Texas Sports Nation podcast. Do go onto HoustonChronicle.com. There's always new. Uh, Rockets content there. I know Danielle is working on a, a feature for later in the week that you'll enjoy. So there's a very open-ended tease there. But check out my conversation with Kevin Porter Jr. That's probably posted by the time you can hear this. I do recommend go read the updated story about the suspensions and Silas's decision. Uh, some of his comments really make you have a feel not only for why he did it, but why he made that particular choice, but how he views a lot of this. And then there are more quotes from him today, from today also uh, about how he tries to model behavior uh, for Kevin Porter Jr. and the other young guys. So go to HoustonChronicle.com and you'll find all that there. But for now, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, David. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Sports Nation podcast. 